If you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 1. We've been talking the last few weeks about being a prophetic people. Doesn't mean that we all just prophesy, though we encourage that and welcome that as well. But being a prophetic people means hearing what God is saying and doing and preparing to become a part of what God is doing. And so there are a number of prophetic things and moving of the Spirit that's saying that God is, is kind of ra- raising the tide of His Spirit in this nation with the goal of drawing people to Jesus. I appreciated Glenn's testimony. He's a man who has a conviction of seeing the supernatural, but so that people get saved. And that's the thing. Too often we want to see something that we think makes us look good. We're about making Jesus look good. And so we want to see people get saved. But that's part of what the prophetic words are, that there will be an increase in the supernatural, but as a confirming of the gospel. And so we read a few weeks ago about preaching the gospel with signs confirming. And so we're actually preparing for that and equipping so that we, as a kingdom of priests, all of us are ministers. This is the, the preparation so that we can do the stuff where we live. And we all have different uh, spheres of influence. Pray this week. Christine has a sphere of influence. They won the, uh, is it pool? Eight ball championship and are going to the nationals this week. Uh, and that's a whole sphere of influence uh, that we don't all have. So be prepared for her. that. That's as important as someone who goes to another nation to, to share the gospel. Okay, that's where a kingdom of priests. And so that's what we're talking about. And so equipping in light of that. So we're going to get to a focus on healing. But we're not quite there yet. I told you last week. I started with the series, but it was healing minus three. This is healing minus two. Next, next week we have the, uh, the translocal gifts, but then the following week will be healing minus one, and then we'll get into healing. Okay? Last week we talked about Jesus being our source. Okay? We don't ever minister anything of the life of God if we don't recognize that Jesus is the source. Okay, it doesn't come from us, it comes from him. So today I want to talk about how do you help someone become a follower of Jesus? You know that 95% of Christians never introduce someone to Jesus. We're going to break that trend because there's something that God's doing. So how do you help someone become a follower of Jesus? In other words, getting saved, the term we use. Salvation is tied up with following Jesus. Sometimes we kind of boil it down to expressions that, while they include a lot, sometimes we don't quite understand what it is. So we want to talk about that this morning for a few minutes. Can you give me a hand and just move this back? I feel like every time I move this way, I I can't see Tegan and I'm going to kick it. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. I'm going to read just a few scriptures. I realized uh, last week I read half the Bible. 
I was told about it. That everyone loved it because it was the Bible. Mark 1.15, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. End of Mark, chapter 16, and verse 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Over in Acts, beginning of Acts chapter 2. And verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and let let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 18. And verse 8. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed, and were baptized. And one more, chapter 16 and verse 30. And he brought them out saying, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word to him and they were all and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour that night and washed their stripes and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Talking about how to help someone become a follower of Jesus. How many of you know the word Abba? A-B-B-A. Anybody? Okay, I'm not talking about that singing group from the 80s. Some of you older people, that's what you thought of. Those of you who are under 30 have no clue who they are and you don't need to know. A-B-B-A, in Greek it means daddy. Okay, can you picture it in your mind? Now change the A's to R. R-B-B-R. How do you say that? You can't say it without vowels, right? And so if you add vowels, you get rabar or rubber or robber or ribber. Is ribber a, a word? Someone who ribs someone that's... Can you picture RBBR? See, you just figured out my Jedi mind trick. I just got you to picture RBBR in your head. These are the ingredients for helping someone become a follower of Jesus. Repent, believe, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. You got that? R, repent. B, believe. B, be baptized. R, receive the Holy Spirit. So if you want to call it robber or rubber or ribber or <laughs> What you need to understand is those, those are the ingredients that we see in the Bible for helping someone become a follower of Jesus. What does that mean? Repent simply means turning from doing things yourself and turning to Jesus, okay? The word Lily means a change of mind, think differently, or turn. And so that's an ingredient. You can't become a follower of Jesus if you don't turn to Jesus. So Jesus, in speaking to the rich young ruler, says this, 
sell all you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. Why? Because he was trusting in his own ability, his own wealth. So repent was, I can't do it myself. I need help. That's all it is. It's not penance. It's not the Catholic concept of you have to make up for your sin because you did stuff wrong. Now you have to change and start doing things right. It's not penance. It's turning to Jesus. That's all it is. And so obviously with the rich young ruler, that was a difficulty. He came to Jesus, and Jesus identified this ingredient and said, you sell all you have, give to the poor. He wasn't making a statement about everyone. He was applying that ingredient. You know when you bake a cake, you can change the amount of some of the ingredients, but they all have to be there. So that ingredient was there, but it was an important one for him. And the guy said, I can't do that. And then Jesus said, it's tough for a rich man in the kingdom. Why? Because to come to Jesus, you have to turn to him. You have to quit trying to do it yourself. You've got to turn away from religion. You've got to turn away from, from your whole, uh, I can make myself better mentality. I can figure it out on my own. And you have to turn. It's simple, but it's profound. I didn't mean to get that much on repentance. Believe. We're going to talk more about in just a second, because that's what I want to preach about this morning. But I'll get there. Be baptized. Basically, baptism is going under the water. It's identifying with Jesus' death and burial. It's, I, it's dying to ourself and our old life. It's dying to the covenants that we've made with the devil. Amen. It's actually not an optional extra. There was only one indication in the New Testament of someone who got saved who wasn't baptized. Anyone know who that was? The guy on the cross next to Jesus. He was nailed to a cross. If you're not nailed to a cross, you have no excuse for not being baptized. <laughs> he had an excuse. Baptism is part of following Jesus. So the point that, as we read, it says, believe and be baptized. Does baptism save us? No, Jesus saves us. But he saves us as we become a follower of him. You still with me? And then fourthly, receive the Holy Spirit. Again, not an optional extra. If we're going to be a follower of Jesus, we need the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's a whole lot more than just power. I grew up in an evangelical church, and we taught about the Holy Spirit as being kind of a power source rather than a person who leads us into all truth, who uh, helps us understand, who brings revelation Stay with me. What are those letters? R B B Q. No. R B B R. Turn with me to John chapter 3. Yes, I'm going to preach John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. But we're going to start with John 3:1. Sorry, I messed you up here taking notes. Don't you hate it when the guys do that? From verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher 
come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. What was the indication that Jesus was the Messiah? Signs and wonders. Verse 23 of the previous chapter uh, says, uh, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Jesus is still confirming who he is with signs and wonders. And that's why we're going to get to healing, preaching the gospel and healing in a few weeks. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's interesting, Jesus' response. Nicodemus comes and he says, you're obviously a, a man sent from God because of the, the signs that you do. And Jesus says, you got to be born again. I don't know if it's just me, but I don't quite see the connection. Jesus saw something more. He saw this was a leader of the Jews who understood Scripture. He said, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel when I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Understand, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's supposed to know all this. And Jesus said, are you a teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one ascends to heaven but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him, believes what? Believes that Jesus existed? James says even the demons believe. The fact that Jesus walked the earth isn't enough. What do we believe? To understand that and answer that question, we have to look at the context of the passage, the context of the passage in the book, and the context of the book in the Bible. Well, I'll do that real quick. Context of the passage is that Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee who would understand this. But the context of the book is it's actually written by John. And in chapter 1, verse 29, John says this, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
Now, if you understand the context, the bigger context of the Bible and the Old Testament, you realize that John is actually mixing two images here. One is the Passover lamb, and the other is the scapegoat, because the Passover lamb doesn't take away sin. Passover lamb meant that the angel of death, Passover, you know the the story. It's in Exodus uh, 12, where just before they were coming out of Egypt, each family sacrificed a lamb, killed the lamb, put the blood on the, the lentils and the doorposts, and anyone inside, when the angel of death came, angel of death saw that death had already occurred here, so it would pass over. So if they were inside, under the covering of that sacrificial death, the lamb that had already died, they were saved. Amazing story. Here's family here. Dad sacrifices this lamb, puts it on the doorpost, and little Johnny's outside playing. And now Johnny's a wonderful little kid. He always obeys. He's fantastic. Except this time. When evening comes, Dad says, Johnny, come on inside. And Johnny says, no, I want to stay outside. And the angel of death comes, and Johnny's outside. Not based on what he's done. It's not based on his goodness. He's not under the covering. And then there's little George. And George is a terrible kid. Never, never obeys. He's rotten, does everything wrong. And his dad puts the blood and says, George, come inside. Angel of death is coming. And George comes inside, and no matter what he's done, he's now under the covering of the blood. That's the context. The Passover lamb who has paid the penalty for us. We're under his covering. But there's another image, and that's the scapegoat. Later on, they would have this image where they'd bring two goats and they would sacrifice one and the other one. The priest put his hand on him and transferred the sins of the people to that goat. And then they sent him out in the wilderness. And it's those two images that John is mixing here. The Passover, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb didn't take away the sin, the goat did. You guys knew that, right? Okay, you're still with me. Okay, don't fall asleep on me. That's why we have coffee beforehand. And so John is saying, here are these two things. In Jesus, as he is lifted up, as his death, which is what the lifting up refers to, his death makes him the Passover lamb who is the sacrificial substitute for us, who takes our sin. Not only are we covered under his blood, but he actually takes it away. He who knew no sin became sin for us. My name is Russ. When we say for us, in every song we sing, it sounds like for us. (laughs) So next time we sing a song that says for us, I want you to know I'm claiming it because it's all for us. He's taken away the sin for us. So when he's lifted up, What is is he referring to? The story in the wilderness. They were sinning. They were complaining against God. Snakes came, were 
biting the people and many were dying. And Moses said, God, what do we do? And he said, make a snake on a pole and lift it up. That whoever looks to that, so someone would get bitten by a snake. And what would they do? Rather than immediately trying to, to get medical care and I don't know what you do with snake bites. Whatever you do, put a tourniquet on or whatever you're supposed to do, all the things that you don't do anymore that we taught when I was a kid in Boy Scouts that you don't do anymore. Uh, instead of doing that, you look to the image and you're restored. Somebody says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up, that whoever believes in him. When we turn from doing it ourselves and look to Jesus as our sacrificial lamb, as a scapegoat who takes away our sin, and believe in him, we can be saved. So we have to believe that Jesus was a substitute sacrifice for me. My sin was placed on him. Just believing that there was a guy who walked the earth named Jesus isn't enough. But there's more. I have this set of steak knives. No. Is that American commercial? Sorry. See, it's not just believing that he died for us, for Russ, but believing his resurrection, that he's alive. The culmination of all the gospels, the good news, that's what gospel means, is that Jesus rose from the dead. He's alive. Acts chapter 3, verse 15 says that whoever believes in him should not perish, but, sorry, Acts chapter 3, that's John chapter 3. <laughs> He's talking about the guy who was healed. And he says, uh, verse 14, you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for murder to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead and of which we are witnesses. Verse 26 of that same chapter. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Raised up Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 10. Let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel but that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. And one more in verse 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to what? To the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. It's important that we believe that Jesus rose from the dead because he's alive today. And because he's alive today, we can have relationship with him. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and the Son whom you've sent. Eternal life comes in not just believing a doctrine, but in having a relationship with a risen king. And that's why we're not weird when we worship. 
If Jesus weren't alive, we're just singing songs about someone who died 2,000 years ago. But because he's alive, but because he's present, we can know him. Repent, believe that Jesus died for us, substitutionary sacrifice, that he rose from the dead. He's alive today and we can know him. Be baptized. Die to yourself. Die to every covenant you've made with the devil so that you can be a new life and then receive the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? It's my question. First, it means this. Every one of us needs to be equipped so that we can help others follow Jesus. It's not the responsibility of the evangelists. Just like healing is not the responsibility of a few, it's the power of God through every one of us, as Glenn said earlier. We have the privilege of being a part of that. We have the privilege of probably the greatest miracle in history is introducing people to Jesus. It's wonderful when people get healed. It's wonderful when people get raised from the dead. But every person who got raised from the dead except Jesus died again. What's the greater works that, than he did that we'll do? It's sharing the gospel and introducing people to Jesus, which has an eternal consequence. That's the greatest thing. The fact that he wants to show who he is and confirm who he is through healing is wonderful too. And that's why I appreciated what Glenn said. The goal is always that people come to know Jesus. So we need to be equipped. But at the same time, I want to encourage you, don't stop somewhere along the process. All the ingredients are necessary. If you repented, you have to believe. If you believe, you need to be baptized. If you're baptized, you need to receive the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're at the point where you're looking to Jesus, but you haven't believed yet. Maybe all of a sudden it's hit you this morning and you believe. Maybe you've believed. You've responded to Jesus, but you haven't followed. You haven't been baptized. Or maybe you've even been baptized, but you haven't received the Holy Spirit. To be a part of what God is doing in the world today. To be a part, of, as a prophetic people, of the moving of the Spirit where he's drawing people and he's confirming with signs and wonders and healing. To be a part of that, we need to be followers of Jesus. The whole process. So if you've stopped somewhere along the way, let me encourage you. Get back on the bike. If you believed in Jesus but haven't been baptized, believe and are baptized. Let, let me step on some toes here. If you were dunked in the water or sprinkled before you believed, you were not baptized. You might have been christened. You might have been dedicated. But baptism is of believers. And so you have to be a place where you actually believe before you can be baptized. You're making a decision. No one can make the decision to follow Jesus for you. Your parents can't make that decision for you. The church can't make that decision for you. You have to. You're still with me? So, if you stop somewhere, let's continue. If you haven't been baptized,
Get baptized. Today's a good day. If you haven't received the Holy Spirit, today is a good day. If you haven't believed in Jesus, today is your day. But as I was praying this morning, I felt there was something else that God wanted to do. That I just felt he said that there's something of his resurrection power that he wants to release in someone. Something that has died that he wants to bring back to life in you. And I don't know what that means. If that's the Holy Spirit, then you know what that means. But if there's something that has died, he's saying the same power that raised Christ from the dead wants to raise something in you. I'm going to ask you if you bow your head. I want to give you a chance to respond before you leave and go to lunch and, or have coffee and start talking and get distracted. Not that the word is that fragile, but too often we can get choked out. And I'm going to go in reverse order of what I just shared. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you something of resurrection, I don't know what that is, but if you do, I'm going to ask you just to respond to the Holy Spirit by lifting your hand and just saying, Holy Spirit, only you can do that. Only you can resurrect. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're able to do that. Thank you that even now, you're breathing life. Lord, you've spoken over and over to us about life into dry bones. But Lord, sometimes it's not dry bones. Sometimes it's something that actually has, has been killed. And so you're breathing life again. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you can do that right now. If somehow along the process you've stopped and haven't received the Holy Spirit. Today's your day. We're talking about being followers of Jesus. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away because the Holy Spirit will come. If you haven't received the Holy Spirit this morning, we would love to pray with you. But maybe in the process you've believed in Jesus but you've never been baptized. Let me tell you, baptism is dying to the old life. It's cutting off the past. It's dying to covenants we've made. A covenant is enforced until the death of the one who makes it. Sometimes we make agreements with the devil and we actually have to die so that those are cut off. If you haven't responded to Jesus in baptism, we would love to see you baptized today. But maybe you're here and you haven't actually believed in Jesus. You've gone to church. Unfortunately, I went to church for 11 years before I met Jesus. I knew about him. I knew a lot of good stories from the Bible. 
I met a lot of good people, but I didn't meet Jesus. And so I don't care how long you've been in church or what your situation is, if you've not actually come to know Jesus, let me tell you, today's your day. 